Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Bingetown TV and our coverage of Amazon Prime's The Wheel of Time. So this is going to be episode four, Daughter of the Night. So we got what? We got the first three episodes last week. We had an agonizing wait one week for episode four to come out. Um, Now we're back to this kind of weekly drop that Amazon likes to do. So we'll be covering these once a week. And we learned a lot in this episode. I think that it's in our best interest to just dive in. The only caveat or little comment I'll make is that the way we cover these episodes is we break them into kind of story buckets. So we'll start off with Perrin uh, and Elias. We'll move to kind of Matt and Min, White Tower, et cetera, et cetera. So we won't talk through the show chronologically, but they'll kind of weave together um, in the end. Nice. You said weaved. Yeah. The wheel weaves as the wheel wills, baby. So first one we'll cover is just going to be kind of a standalone scene that obviously we'll connect back to at the end. It's going to be our boy, the father of lies, Ishamayil. This was a pre-released content scene that kind of blew people's minds like two days before the, uh, the season dropped. So him walking through a cavern, which in my opinion looks suspiciously familiar, uh, begins chanting in the old tongue. He channels, he breaks what looks to be a moon dial uh, and another seal and reveals a woman covered in blood that he we, we hear the name Lanfear in this. He says a little bit more. I'm just curious. Opening scene of this episode, obviously pretty dark. What was going through our heads? Um, my first thought was when he looks up, I was trying to think, was this in the old city that got taken over? That's exactly what I thought as well. From season one, we get that uh, land, yeah, land exactly. city. Oh, you, oh, you know, are you talking about Shadar Logoth or are you talking about Malkier? No, the, the, the place from the Age of Legends, the flashback. With the, all, like, the, the buildings, the city that got taken over by like nature, it turns into thing. greens. So I don't know. That's what at least what I thought it looked like. And then I had Kyle. What were the exact chance that he was saying? Like, I need I need to know exactly breakdown to break breakdown over the words. No subtitles, mind you. <laughs> so <laughs> do we get the whole thing later on? I We can do it right now, too, because we'll talk about it again. But it is. Let me find it. Okay. So the first half of it is in the old tongue. It's daughter of the night. She walks again. The ancient war she yet fights. A new lover she seeks who shall suffer and die yet serve still. Who shall stand against her coming? The shining walls shall weep. Blood feeds blood. Blood calls blood. Blood is. Blood was. And blood shall ever be. And then the little bloody hand of whoever this woman is. Obviously, we know at this point, but at the time we don't reaches out and Ishamiel grabs it. Fuck yeah. Oh my God. It's <laughs> so good. I mean, I just feel like a fucking idiot. I mean, that's what I was telling Kyle. I told Luke off pod. It's just, I feel so stupid. Like I just look back on these things. I'm like, how could we have not pieced this together? I think maybe Paul like briefly, briefly in one of the episodes was like, ah, Selena could be a dark friend. It was just never brought up ever again mm-hmm. for us. And I just feel so dumb for not being able to put it together. Even when I'm watching the episode and like the opening scene, this scene happens, I'm watching and I'm like, this means nothing to me. I didn't even piece together that it was even like 
going to be Celine when she's coming out of like uh, when she's all covered in blood and she's revealing herself. Like, I didn't even think that was Celine then. I was watching with Alki, who in the next scene we see Celine was like, she's definitely a dark friend. And then I was like, oh my God, if he's fucking right about this and we never talked <laughs> about this on the podcast, like, I'm going to kill myself. And of course, yeah. that was what happened. But amazing opening scene here. This show just continues to do it for me. I am obsessed with it. I, I just, we obviously know she's, are they called Forsaken? I can't remember yeah. now. Yes. Is she a Forsaken? Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. not. She gets it at the end of the episode. Okay. Yeah. I just, I, I want more of these Forsaken. I want all of this content just immediately. Like, it's just so good. Yeah. That, that was a great opening scene, a cold open. And just for what it's worth, Dave, like in the books, anything Rand, anything Forsaken was always what I clung to the most. So this was just amazing. And I'm so happy that this reveal is out there because you guys have no yeah. freaking idea how hard and how much anxiety I had thinking I was going to call Celine Lanfear at some point. Just like constantly, anytime I talked to her, I would look at my notes, like look back at the camera, look back at my notes just in case because I was so scared I was going to ruin this reveal. I'm shocked they did it mid season. I'm okay with it because it was an amazing scene and like how she came out all bloody and like how creepy it was terrifying. And that's exactly how I want my forsaken. And it does seem to be a little bit different than how we got introduced to this concept in the book. So I think it's going to be better how they're showing it. Like each of these forsaken might be at different locations. I don't know if that's what they're going for, or even if that was the OG seal that was broken and he was under, I don't really know. I'm sure we'll get more of it as we see more forsaken, but that was a great way to visualize it. And it was terrifying. And she looked amazing with just the blood and just like how she came up. I was all in. And and now we can officially just keep calling her land fear. Ishmael, anytime Ishmael is on this, like the screen, it's literally like my ass is on the very edge of my seat. <laughs> I'm just like, this guy just moves plot. He's the, his new nickname should be the mover of plot because he's just <laughs> the fucking just man. On the list. Yeah. Father yeah. lies, betrayer of hope, mover <laughs> of plot. Yeah, he's Forsaken so are great. epic, man. They're just, I like so and great. I guess if we're going to talk about the whole scene too, I mean, me and Luke kind of briefly talked about it before we, um, got on recording here but are you going to jump into like the rand stuff at the end no 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 i'm just talking oh, okay. about this scene here is yeah, um yeah. when ishmael releases um her name land land fear land fear land fear yeah and she was basically land basically land is afraid of her so it's land fear yeah. okay that's legitimately how i thought you were saying it okay yeah. um but the only obvious thing to me here was that when ishmael releases her quote unquote it's eerily similar to what exactly happens with rand and ishmael at the end of season one like the, the the bright lights, the crackling of um, I already forget the the resource name. Hearthstone or uh, Queen Dr. Yeah, um, and it just was eerily similar to that. So it was just really cool how it just is showing us that what Rand did in end of season one was release him, not just capture him. And yeah. it just was eerily similar to that. And Kyle, thoughts? Just what are we thinking? Oh, it's so good. I, one of the criticisms is criticisms that people have of the books and this is not something i noticed because i'm a terrible critic when i read things because i'm just immersed and things happen and i'm like yeah of course that's that makes sense um but the the forsaken kind of just pop up mm -hmm. a lot of the times we don't get this back like obviously we assume at some level that this is happening in the background but we don't get like a, a you know an inside track to it a, a pov or anything like that mm -hmm. So this was a great addition to the story. I think it's so interesting to think about Shamio kind of going one by one and trying to kind of quote unquote unlock all of them. It's really fun. And it was funny to me is that when they posted this clip, people who didn't like season one, who kind of have that 
you know, jerk reaction, initial reaction that everything's bad. We're like, oh my God, they're changing the magic system. So they need to do incantations, which was just like the most negative interpretation you could have ever had to this scene. So that was funny that obviously that is not what they did. And it was just him reciting this prophecy, prophecy rather. So this did it for me for sure. This was an upgrade from how the books did it. Full yeah. send, full stop. 100%. Yeah. All right. So the first storyline we're the first storyline we're going to tackle is going to be Perrin, the most isolated of the storylines. They don't kind of weave into anything else beyond himself. So there are two kind of self-contained scenes. They they're very related to each other. So basically, um, the two of them, Elias and Perrin, are getting more space from the Shan Chan because last episode Elias breaks Perrin out of the caravan. And Elias begins to explain more about Perrin's powers, I guess, and his powers as well to Perrin. And Perrin's kind of just a little bit of flabbergasted. He's trying to pick everything up as it comes. But we do get a lot of answers to questions I thought we had here. So two scenes. We can just talk about all of it together. Just oh, my oh. God. <laughs> I just love. <laughs> I want to talk first, Dave. God. No, I just go. really quickly just want to say I love that he calls out Perrin for freaking out. He's like, am I going to turn into a wolf? Which yeah. was an immediate theory that me and paul had and we're just wondering if that's gonna and it, it felt like don't it was be ridiculous that was like a meta line right there for sure. yeah it, it legitimately felt it, like yes. it was the show just like they knew that new watchers were going to assume he was just going to be a werewolf so i thought it was just really well placed and love the interactions with um perrin and elias here just really building their relationship of what there is already like very little of but it's just cool seeing that perrin does actually have someone he can relate to hearing the intricacies of how he's been calling out to these other yeah. wielders of this power and and the wolves on, themselves yeah and the wolves himself and he's been subconsciously doing it elias says like you know you've been doing this for months now which i thought was very interesting and i just i love this plot line i just have not been a fan of parents plotline all that much up until this point but i think it's really starting to run full steam ahead with elias here Holy shit, this was amazing. I mean, <laughs> it was such a little like time on the screen, but every single sentence was like info dump. Mm -hmm. And this was so much better than I ever could have imagined for what like the visions that he was seeing and like the images and unless they're two different entities, but it seemed like they literally if one wolf sees something, they can just send it to the whole pack and it says you'll learn what they mean and how to send them later on as you go do it. So it's just it's just such a cool concept. Um, the fact that he's like, what's his name? Like, ah, he'll show you when he's ready. Like, that's just fucking awesome. Yeah. Hopper. When I the fact that I literally asked you what the wolf's name was <laughs> on uh, episode three and, and now it comes like his name is an actual thing. Mm -hmm. That's hysterical. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you had said too, I was like, I can give you his name, but like his real name, I I looked it up, kind of pulled it from the books, but like just a description that they have of Hopper is Hopper, the cub who had watched the eagle soar and so badly wanted to fly through the skies as the eagles did. The cub who hopped and jumped and leaped until he could leap higher than any other wolf and who never lost the cub's yearning to soar through the sky. So it's like when he says like Hopper and, and Elias is like close enough, like that is mm. like they communicate through like instinct and feeling. So like that's yeah. like the feeling of his name is like that like mm -hmm. want to jump and fly okay. and stuff like that. So Perrin is just interpreting as Hopper and now he's just Hopper. That's okay. incredible. Yeah. That makes and, me feel better about the name because personally they said Hopper and I was like, that is like not what I was expecting. I was kind of yeah. maybe expecting some, you know, ancient name, not just yeah. Hopper mm -hmm. straight up. So I was a little disappointed, yeah. but that 
helps me appreciate it a little bit more that it's not like his actual name, I guess. It's more so just like it's the parents' interpretation yeah. of like what's going on. Yeah. A very rudimentary, obviously. Because even Elias says, like, you'll learn to interpret things. Like in the book, I was so curious at how they were gonna do this. I think it's awesome. I like I thought it was cool when the buck's like running through, and at first I was like, What the hell is this? And then he explains what it is, and I'm like, dude, yeah, that's actually a really good way to visualize it. Cause they just like send thoughts and like they obviously have their own language. So like, you know, like like small thing with lots of horns is like a porcupine. And like they send that thought to Parent in the books and he like has to interpret it himself. And like even says in the POV, like this that's not what they said, but that's what I'm getting from it type of deal. So I thought they visualized this really well. I'm really happy that we finally coined what they the term that they're gonna be called is Wolf Brothers. So that's just what they're known as, Elias and Perrin, whatever. So we can just use that as the term whenever we're talking about their abilities. And this kind of connects to one of the cooler things about Wheel of Time, where channeling and the power is so centralized to the story. It's by far the most important magic system that is in Wheel of Time, obviously. But the cool thing about this world and it being like a soft magic system is there's these other random abilities. And because we don't have too many characters that are involved with them, they're just soft magic. Like we don't know much about them. And I'm think talking about things like Wolf Brothers and things like Min's ability. Like there's these random abilities that just pop up every once in a while. And it really just makes it high fantasy for me. And it's just awesome that like the fact that all the Aes Sedai are around and studying the power is the only reason we know anything about channeling. Otherwise it would be like Wolf Brothers and uh whatever men's ability is where we're only getting it through like one or two people who don't know how to study it. So it's just cool that we're finally getting to like really have all the groundwork established for this world and all these crazy magic systems. But Kyle, you said the one thing about how cool it was to see the deer vision because yeah that was really awesome how they communicate our other friend billy who actually watches the show and he read all the books um before i did he's always been talking to kyle about wheel time he recently texted us and he doesn't seen the screener so he's only seen the first three episodes he's not happy with how they're doing the parent abilities and i can't imagine a way they could have really captured the book like how kyle just went on about the naming convention in the book, it makes sense. You can write it like that. How are you going to show that or describe that in the show? Like this is almost to me the best way they could have done it. And I'm completely satisfied with Perrin's abilities and the Wolf Brother stuff. And obviously I love Elias. This is why Elias gave us such a visceral reaction is because he does things like this. And Paul, like he's info dropping all the time. Anytime he's with Perrin, like he's such like a scene stealer in the book whenever he's around because he's just up to crazy shit and he, he knows, but he doesn't talk a lot. Like all of it's great. That's why we got so hyped. But yeah, overall, I think the parent storyline is like this is it's my boy. I'm I'm happier this far into the story with Perry's storyline than I was in the book. So that's just yeah. a win in itself. It's great. It's definitely picking up steam. Like you said, Elias just definitely moves everything along. Mm-hmm. He could be fucking the mover of plots. The mover of plot. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. He, I mean, he was parents great. And, <laughs> yeah. Well, at least parents plot. We we learned a few more things. One I just hysterical that Perrin needs to cook his meat and Elias is like, you'll get over it. You know, it's you're a newbie. Uh, and then two the at new, the very the new liver king. Perrin. Yeah. Yeah. Eat everything fresh. <laughs> I said the same thing to Alki yeah. when we were watching raw it. testicles yeah. for Perrin. <laughs> right. off, Yeah. Right off the bone. And then at the very end, when he says that we don't go near women who can channel, you know, they don't like things they don't understand. Yeah, like every other human. That was cool because like Dave said earlier, they've been following him for a while and Perrin has been sending him, sending all of them images, especially of 
you know, his wife. So he can't hide that anymore. He can't pretend like that never happened. And it's just overall so cool. That also that line about the women studying, they don't like things they don't understand. That also connects to men, right? Like that's why she thought she was, you know, she was running from the Aes Sedai originally. But um another cool thing too that this scene really did was it doesn't retcon, but it adds and in hindsight will like better the wolf rescue from season one because Elias says, You didn't see me on screen, but I was there. I was the one that helped you. And that's really cool because I was begging for Elias to show up in season one because that's how early he's supposed to show up. But now when you rewatch it, you can just like in your head, no, he is around and he's there waiting for parents, wolf brother abilities to kind of flourish. So that was a really good line. And I I think they did a good job with that. Again, the reveals that Wheel of Time keeps bringing us just the fact that like it was him that was so many. Yeah, the, the, the fact that it was him who brought the wolves to when him, uh, Perrin and Egwene were getting tortured by the White Cloaks. Like, that was like, that's so cool because in the moment you just totally think it's Perrin with these new powers that you have no, nothing, I, no idea about. And it's just really awesome that they're, the reveals are just amazing from this show. And one last yeah. thing I want to talk about really quickly is just, I just am latching on to the, uh, Ishmael, I, I was about to say the dark one, Ishmael's comments to Perrin, I think it was last episode about, how yeah, it was. he pretty much wants Perrin to embrace the powers, which I still am just like clinging on to that because is Perrin's powers the same as Elias's? Are they different? Like is Elias also working with Ishmael? Or is it because Perrin again got the injury from the Trollocs that he, <laughs> his specifically are being targeted by the Dark One? I'm just going to keep latching onto that, but I'm just thinking about like how these powers come into existence. Are they like is it birth like are they born with it do they acquire it later on from some event that happens just more information that i'm really looking forward to getting into especially with elias being here with perrin um but just latching on to that ishmael comment to perrin in the last episode all right i have i think two things and i feel like every time i say that i always end up with one more but paul i really like your point about how like acknowledging now that all the wolves have seen perrin and layla and know that that's happened i think that like that's a good way or a good storyline going forward of like that's maybe going to help him accept what he's done you know he can't hide it longer anymore you know what i mean i guess at this point it was only him and Egwene that knew that he knew of i guess so now you know all of these quote-unquote people friends companions know about it i feel like that might be a lift off of him i almost cried when he said hopper lost his mate too i was like no not 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 hopper <laughs> and that leads me perfectly to my second point is that so if the wolves have names do you think that Perrin and elias will get and do you think a elias has a name and do you think Perrin will get a name oh my god well now i do <laughs> i mean i originally didn't think that up but now i mean they got to think of him in some way right hell yeah they're gonna is he gonna be like way of leaf or something like that like leaf yeah it'll just be leaf. falling leaf or something leaf erickson <laughs> okay so we got fall for falling leaf and dave comes in hot with leaf erickson <laughs> yeah there we go all i'll say is falling leaf is the right way to think about yeah, how wolves sure. would I mean, name people based off the <laughs> yeah. form techniques that kyle was talking about last episode as well Falling leaf sounds up the alley of the way they talk in these kinds of situations yeah but we got to talk think about how wolves talk true yeah how with the moon again <laughs> not that's much better than your first guess <laughs> all right yeah. lee ferrickson no, lee ferrickson we will we'll get elias's name elias's name is sick it's definitely the coolest one of any oh, okay wolf, so yeah. <laughs> it's fucking sweet doesn't surprise I me i won't ruin it now because i'm hoping they get to it um but if they don't 
we'll fucking cross that bridge when we get there in like eight years. I hope it's like man killer or something like that. It's just like slaughter. Wife killer. Wife, yeah. <laughs> His name's wife killer. Good one. All right. So continuing this thread of of powers that aren't the one power and channeling, we're gonna move into Min and Matt's storyline. Very quickly, two scenes, one casual, lighthearted, one very intense. Uh the casual, lighthearted one is just Min and Matt kind of gambling together, playing cards at the table. Um, Min obviously has these ulterior motives. She speaks with the bartender. We learn she's going to meet someone in the attic. Only comment I have on this little playful scene is that Matt's charm is just really still on display here. I feel like Donald's doing a fantastic job of being this kind of Matt. Um, And then the the men nightmare again, like you said, mover of plot. I mean, this guy is just fucking fantastic. My one note is all caps. Just, I love a Shamayel. Mm-hmm. This is just, he honestly, I, he, I might like him better in the show than the books. Forsaken, man, forsaken steel scenes. That's what they're in the plot for. They just stealer ev- of scenes, stealers of scenes, <laughs> father of lies, mover of plots. That's uh, great. <laughs> I, you're absolutely right. I mean, this was something that completely shocked me. So this was uh, a real reveal for us that, in some way, Leandrin is working with Ishmael, the Dark One, however you want to think of it, um, because obviously we know Leandrin was sending Min and Matt to this location or at least, you know, somewhere around here. And they were going to meet up with someone. We didn't know it was going to be Ishmael. And I just when I saw him, I, I, I'm I'm getting chills because I just I don't what is Leandrin's part in all this? You know, like I really don't think she was the one. That was at the beginning of like the beginning of this season at the table. Like, I don't think that was her Aes Sedai ring that was at the table. I'm in my head, I'm kind of thinking that we've seen how much Leandrin loves her son and like how far she's willing to go for him. In my head, I'm kind of thinking she's not maybe a dark friend. She is just working with Ishmael because Ishmael can promise her to, you know, cure her son of whatever illness it is, maybe make him live as long as she can as well because that was something they had talked about again i'm confusing all these episodes but yeah that was last episode yeah where she's talking about how we just outgrow all of our loved ones so i'm I'm thinking that actually happens this episode yeah yeah, so i'm just thinking here that she's just striking a deal per se with ishmael to get her son cured or healed whatever you want to think of it but sounds like textbook dark friend behavior yeah damn yeah, That's but like, uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not willing to put her in the dark okay. friend category just yet. You're not willing to scrawl the uh, dragon's claw on her, or the dragon's fang no, rather I, on her front door. Yeah, no, not yet. I like it because I feel like they're they're pushing you. Is it a red herring or is it happening? Like, or, or is you know? So I like that you're thinking like that. No, I definitely dig that a lot, Dave. I didn't think about that. I did say last episode, like maybe Leandrin was trying, like a dark friend or something like that, but I didn't connect it to what would she would get out of it and her son is just like a great example especially this episode exactly what she said like there's nothing we can do about it yeah yeah well ishi probably can you know he can do a lot of shit he can probably help out um so yeah this whole like him and men conversation just i mean like you said i think this was a nightmare yeah like you just dream every night and Ishi's just gonna pop up and be like yeah what's up dude how you doing mentally? You sure you don't yeah. want to? You, <laughs> sh- you sure you your don't... mental psyche real quick? <laughs> yeah, like come on, just do what I say, and that's what he was trying to get Min to do to bring her to Carrion. Yeah, Carrion, Carrion. We'll um, get there eventually. Which is In pronunciation, so, obviously not location. We've been there before. And I didn't say this earlier, but I there's something so niche about 
like I want the addict and there's going to be somebody else that asks for it. I'm just like, that's so cool. They don't have room numbers and they're going to, they're not going to be like, like, yeah, just have you seen somebody like you need something special. So the attic where nobody wants, that was perfect. I love that. It's just really good to see Matt gambling again. (laughs) Yeah. He's right back on the horse. Yeah. I love Matt so far. He is definitely quickly just skyrocketing up the ladder for favorite characters which is like i say that so much he's not he's not gotten a ton of screen time i'm really hoping it changes because we've only gotten little kind of pepper and sprinkles of him hopefully that'll change moving forward as we kind of if min takes him to Kyrian. but i love matt as the character so i'm hoping that that's kind of the truth moving forward and that was one of my biggest bullet point notes just for the episode as a whole is that i'm starting to feel the lack of matt screen time and that needs to change sooner rather than later uh, it's fine because it is technically in line with the books of how much relevant screen time he gets, but it's time to start making us really love this character and get to see this new actor. Like we need to start solidifying him more than just this side characters. That's all he really feels like right now. Uh, but a couple things I want to add on, Paul, you getting some um, with the request from Ishi to to have Min bring Matt to Kyrian, a little bit of like convergence, Malazan vibes a little bit like, <laughs> we're kind of all like going power. in that direction is what it seems like yeah and power th- seeks power uh, in the end that's what it feels like if you and again this is all different from the book so me and kyle can say things like predictions about where the short-term plot's going to go without spoiling anything because we don't know how this is really going to go but that is how i'm thinking we're going to probably end season two is the majority of our characters maybe not all of them are going to at some point end up in Kyrian. and i feel like that could happen sooner rather than later uh, so I'm really excited for that. And the one thing I like that Ishii was saying to her was that she, he was labeling her abilities as a curse and rather than like powers. Power. Yeah, exactly. So is that wordplay? Is that manipulation? Is that a, is that a hard rule? Just something to like look out for of just how Ishmael treats all these sorts of things. Yeah, I definitely feel like he's doing it on purpose. Like he's like, oh, that's really a gift, but I'm going to make you think it's a curse and highlight all the shitty parts of it. He's the father of lies. Yeah, he's oh yeah, just and he should be like freaking Freddy Krueger. He just infiltrates dreams. Apparently, I thought they shot this just fantastically. Like the mm. the chaos of the beginning of it seemed like her having kind of a dream of her past of her aunts using her for her power to fortune tell, and she has to try to break all these terrible things to people or hide them and lie. And then he just the chaos just stops, and it's just him saying, "Open your eyes." Mm-hmm. And then like every now and again, he's talking it like it cuts very quickly and like kind of like glitches out and then he's back. It, it just was so good. I really love the the line. The one line is for some things, the dark is the only place to turn, which is just hell. Yeah, that got fucking goosebumps from me. Mm-hmm. And then I won't help you hurt anyone very calmly. You will. And then I won't let you hurt Matt. You might. I just like <laughs> he's just like the fucking man. It's so good. I love this characterization and version of him. It's, it's so the forsaken, great. how terrifying they are. And like, yeah. you just, he flexes his power with just like a snap. And it's just amazing that you can feel it. Cause like the only person we've seen be able to touch this amount of power is Nynaeve, Loghain and Rand. That's really it. Like everybody else gets their ass handed to him by just like a flick of the fingers. So it's just awesome when they're terrifying. Cause the tension level feels real. And that's great from our main bad guy subgroup. I'm glad you brought up his powers because that was my other comment that I was going to make is that because Moraine specifically does say like to Lan that he was able to take away my powers with just the flick of the wrist. And Mm -hmm. here we can see him with the flick of a wrist, just turn off men's powers and kind of manipulate her 
to thinking what he wants and just number one character, man. Like he's just Smitty, <laughs> Smitty Werben yeah, Jaegerman, Jensen. Like his when he dies at the end of the series, which I'm assuming is going to happen. Like I'm gonna, I'll build him his grave of number one. Just <laughs> I re- like love the dark. You just have you have no idea what's in store for his. I, I don't. I really don't. It's just like Bellatrix running into Harry in year one. It's like you can't yeah. do anything against like the number two for the dark side, right? It's just so yeah. cool to see this. It's the man. Yeah. All right. Any final takes? Sound like we, those were some final takes. Um, just the last thing, Kyle, like you said, seems like men might actually care about Matt a little bit since they've been traveling together. Like you said, um, they also dropped a line and correct me if I'm wrong, but he is saying his names, his titles, father of lies, betrayer of hope forsaken. And does she say Leandrin didn't tell me that one as in like forsaken or am I mixing those up? I mean, I would say it's well within reason that Mm -hmm. men would be just shocked that a, this is who it is, and then B, he drops those titles, and I think everyone knows like the father of lies and all that kind of stuff and Forsaken. So I could see that's what she said. I don't know for sure though. To be I honest. thought she was taking it as like, um, I didn't like Leandrin didn't tell me I would be working with you of all people, kind of thing. Yeah. I guess mm-hmm. it could be the same shock, honestly, that you two might have had of like, wow, is Shamayil and Leandrin in some type of cahoots? Like, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking right now. I just it yeah. didn't know if that was more of a connection to Leandrin and Ishi. Yeah, Leandrin yeah. was more setting this up with Ishi. But okay. anyway, you had a take that was you thought, you know, Leandrin's ring catching the light the right way was black. And you, yeah. I thought, were, were fairly gung ho. She's a dark friend and Dave was against it. Yeah, I don't know. I go back and forth right now. <laughs> Every time. Okay. I mean, we'll get more screen time with her, but I'm yeah. like, dude, is she good? Is she shitty? She's shitty a lot, but I don't know. That's beautiful. I, I just feel All like right. with because we have the Celine reveal, like they gotta wait a little bit longer to give us another dark friend, you know? They can't just be like, Oh, here's a bunch of dark friends in a row, you know. You never know. Just you never know going. though, yeah. You never yeah. know. All right. So moving into more Leandrin stuff, we'll move to the White Tower is gonna be next. This is kind of the meaty version of Min and Matt's kind of appetizer. Although, you know, not meaty, we'll say like the big vegan entree of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shout out to all my vegetarians and vegans out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so mm. we kind of start with this is our first real post accepted test naive scene. Clearly shaken. She has a fairly awkward, I would say, interaction with Egwene at this point. Just like our first kind of take of her. Um, she, we see she's wearing the ring. Gwen tries to touch it, kind of awkwardly snaps back. We do see that she has those rainbow embroidered cuffs of the accepted. So it's official that she isn't accepted right now. Uh, not sure if anyone really has a take on this scene. Obviously, the floor is open, but just um, Egwene when she's hugging her and then he's not hugging her back. And Egwene saying, hey, it was like none of it was real. Like, don't worry about it. Like, I guess she's trying to help, but like she doesn't realize she's making it worse because like to Nynaeve, that was real. She was there for years. She Those feelings and emotions were real. So to say it's not real doesn't really help. It doesn't and, help the situation. And plus, I mean, it could be a few, like to I think Nynaeve potentially for her, that could have been a future, you know, because we've already seen the past. We saw the present and now that could have been the last trial could have been the future. So not only is she thinking like, oh, like that potentially was real. It felt real, yada, yada. But like this also could eventually happen. That's what I'm thinking a little bit. of. And is there any 
bad taste in her mouth from the conversation she heard about or is that what from when she was eavesdropping on elaine and i also took it Aguilain. as like i also took it as like she's still kind of butthurt by those comments that's what i was gonna, is it is it that or is that so irrelevant now that she lived years in the arc in her head like maybe my it's take like, is the second one it's probably that but mm. yeah I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, yeah, if she's heavy she, to care about that eavesdropped conversation. Yeah, if she's I mean, been talking yeah, she about Hall of Grudge. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah, I mean, Hall of Famer. She, we talked about it last episode. Hall of Fame grudge holder for sure. Yeah. If she's uh, been holding this grudge for years, yeah, it's that it would make her MVP of grudge holding for sure. <laughs> so what is the deal with Nynaeve's ring? Because didn't Leandrin go to melt it? Did we just assume they just grabbed another one? one? Yeah, I don't think there's anything really special about like the blank ones. Okay, you know, just like they a, just no ceremony. A stone in, and then I'm sure it becomes. I think when you get your stone, that's a big thing. Yeah, I was wondering. Obviously, if it's a big ball. thing to get your accepted ring too. But without a yeah. stone, it's very obvious that you're not an actual Aes Sedai yet. So there's not like Feel that it. level of sentimentality build up. It's like you know when you first get your wedding ring on the night of your wedding, and if you lose it, like not the biggest deal in the world. Right? <laughs> no, but like boy, the Smithers. The one thing too here uh, that I thought was. Bunny is obviously going to trying to help, and she's like, "I saved you some honey cakes," and that's like, "Oh, trigger word, honey cakes." Mm. That's what Lang was whipping up when they all died in the fucking dream slash test. So I didn't even put that together. Yeah. So we get honestly a nice continuation of the scene is now Gwen and Elaine talking. They're mopping up, doing classic novice tasks, and Gwen's now kind of saying out loud these thoughts of, "I want to help so badly because she was there for me, and I don't want to feel kind of helpless." But she's just feeling smaller and smaller since she joined the tower. This has been a theme of Egwene's character. I'm assuming it will turn around at some point. But I know Dave mentioned that since your first watch of season one, and I think now into season two, that Egwene has kind of been dropping down the ranks a little bit. And she is, I mean, this has just been a theme of her character this season is her kind of not feeling strong enough and kind of pouting around about it. Not necessarily a bad thing, but it is a thing. I like this for her. I mean, just to be able to identify that you've been kind of sulky and a little bit of like, you know, not who you have always been. I, I really like this moment for her. So definitely will not have her as my LVP for once you know, <laughs> in these episodes. But I really did like this scene from Egwene because I was going to just like you said, Kyle, I've been kind of shit talking her all season. But this was a nice moment for her. All I could think about is like, Egwene, I think you're like the strongest out of like everybody like that we've seen August. <laughs> yeah yeah it's like if you and Nynaeve fight like right now you'd win probably unless Nynaeve freaks out at the end and just hits you with a big glass but like if you want a like somebody you can count on I'm taking Egwene all the time I mean Rand doesn't know how to do shit well I guess he can kill you in a fight but like Egwene is the only one who is like such a beast and in her mind she's like oh I'm so weak I need to catch up and like I guess that's a good mindset for her to have because she's working her ass off and training and casting with no hands. Kind of um, reminds me of Julia from The Magicians. Mm, just like very interesting take. Yeah. yeah, right. Like naturally talented at everything, not the main character, and just kind of is there, but works her ass off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and for what it's worth, I never really voiced his opinion, and maybe it's because I didn't have this opinion until when we recorded season one, because I read so many more books since then, how Kyle feels about Elaine is how I grew to feel about Egwene. 
not at this point in the story and yeah. i think you guys can tell why because in the show like she's not the greatest character but i do love Egwene, and i'm hoping that we get a lot out of her especially towards the end of the season yeah and speaking would- of elaine just another great quick elaine scene i, I feel like Egwene. i i always come away from all the elaine Egwene interactions just liking elaine even more i just like mm-hmm. how she's just so real with Egwene. she but he says like it's really not your job to fix how she's feeling like it's she has her own emotions things will play out like it's not up to you to fix it for her she would make a good queen one day how <laughs> wouldn't she wouldn't she the daughter heir all right so another quick continuation of this scene is after they have this conversation they kind of awkwardly pass Nynaeve in the hall which was like a we acknowledge whatever Nynaeve's on her way to the warder training grounds she has a little bit I would even say a little bit a lot a bit of an awkward interaction with a warder here much to Leandrin's satisfaction. Again, another very quick scene. Not sure at the level of takes we have, but just you know, any thoughts? I I'm, are they hinting that she's fucking going red? I hope not, because he's saying like, "Have you decided which Aja you're going into?" I hope it's not red, like as a joke, and she just doesn't smile, and Leandrin smirks, and I'm like, "Oh God!" But then you know, I guess spoiler, skipping ahead, Nynaeve and Leandrin aren't going to be like on great terms after Leandrin blasted the shit out of her. Yeah, Alki's first comments when we were watching was like, Leandrin's definitely going to be red. And the one thing I'll just comment on that is... Leandrin is is definitely going to be red. Or sorry, Nynaeve is definitely definitely going to be red. Um, But the the only thing I just want to bring up is that in the third arch, we see she is wearing that red outfit. So there you go. That's just a little bit of support i guess i'm maybe i'm not making planting the flag that she's going to be red but there is signs that she is she could be red yeah i just like how they have this interaction i just thought it was a funny interaction doesn't really no deeper than that for me i just liked they did this thought it was funny the one little breadcrumb gets dropped here leandra gets a note from a red sister leads us directly into the next scene we find out that the note is about basically the sean chan invasion in the west she confronts liana sadai who is the keeper of the tower we know that the amberlin seats once Sanche is gone so they have this little verbal sparring match obviously the level of respect towards the keeper is a lot lower than it is towards the amberlin which is on full display in this scene and they just have a very interesting conversation there's one theory that you guys made in season one our talks i'll bring up at the end if we want to talk anymore if not i can just bring it up right now i just love the well what's her name liana 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 yeah liana kind of puts leandrin in her place for a second she's like i'm always she's like yeah. she asked like this is hard the, the amelin cedar like how like how do you communicate with yeah. her have how you often? talked to her yet yeah and she's like oh every time i open my mouth i communicate with her i'm like that's yeah. hard yeah. as shit but then leandrin <laughs> fires back and like i forget what her comment was and i was like shit now leandrin got the one up on liana that's here. what i was gonna say i was basically a threat she's saying you know if the amelin falls you fall with her yep. oh, it's yeah it's like okay dark friend maybe (laughs) so the two things that you guys brought up very related not exactly similar so paul paul's theory was that there would be an Aes Sedai civil war and dave's theory was that there would be a mutiny and a new amerlin seat so just curious you guys made those takes in season one not even sure if you remember them since it was two years ago but no this scene obviously made me think of them i'm just kind of curious now hearing those thoughts again with this scene as more context i think me and dave are oracles like just (laughs) tell the future you're men (laughs) yeah kind of yeah you saw it in the vision oh (laughs) oh that's racist Uh, (laughs) 
but um paul's wolf brother yeah, yeah. paul's wolf brother and i'll be men fine i'll take it but um yeah i agree with paul i think we're uh we're oracles i think those are pretty good takes i still feel pretty confident that at some point the amelin seat she just doesn't have a lot of support it feels like like the only yeah. one that really does support her is moraine and secretly even she can't even do it in the open and i like paul's theory of the i said i splitting i really i can we're already kind of seeing that here a little bit and i can't wait to see how this plays out all right one last comment I'll make is that this conversation starts pretty much with confirmation, nonverbal confirmation, but confirmation nonetheless, that the sisters that they sent to investigate the West, they haven't heard back from them. So just keep that little breadcrumb in your mind. All yeah. right. Well, is that what it was because Leandrin asked and she doesn't get a response? Is that because they didn't hear back confirmed? Because That's the way I interpreted it. That's same. And then I think later on, I guess we'll get to it, but like they have reports. I mean, Leandrin tells you, but um, I mean, because she's a dog friend. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> she, could be, she could be cutting off those notes right at the source. Like she could be getting all this information and be like, uh, I'm just not going to tell anybody about this because I work with Ishmael. We already know Ishmael was in the West with this Sean Chan. So okay, yeah. could have killed the scouts in general. She'd be like, "Hey, you're not reporting back," or intercepted the message, never gave it. Anyway, we've Lots already seen her behind that non-answer. She's already shown us when she's reading the letter to Matt that she'll like definitely change some of the subject matter, and like she can give false reports and stuff like that. So she's we a also, little schemer for uh, issue over here. We also know that like there's a white cloak dark friend out there. And maybe Ishii has the white cloaks, you know, hunting down Aes Sedai in the West. I'm just throwing out ideas. I have no idea. Yeah. But everything at this point, I would say, is on the table. We yeah, that's what like I, from now on, I'm just going to just every thought. <laughs> I mean, not that I haven't been doing it, but just everything yeah. is getting on the board because I just don't uh, want to feel stupid anymore. Literally, the best part of doing this is you guys interacting with the concepts and the story for the first time. So please, yeah, don't ever think about putting a little baby's bottle rattle thing Ooh. mouthpiece <laughs> in your mouth like those Sean Chan. Question, question, question. The answer, keeper. Answer. Yes. How the keeper is chosen, I think we talked about the season one, by the Amarillo seat, and they can choose whoever. It doesn't have to be the same Aja. Technically, that's like how it goes. Mm -hmm. In reality, I well, they have to be confirmed technically by the hall, but it's, I think at this point, tradition, like she just handpicks whoever. And like they have, they're from the same Aja. It doesn't have to be like that. That's just the way it's been going, pretty much. It's not like a rule set in stone. It's just kind of precedent. So is Elaine or Gwen going to be the keeper, and then the other one's going to be the Amarlin? Oh, interesting, interesting. I'll write that one down too. For oh, jot that one down. Dave's season, Dave season one's Dave's season one take. Excuse me, was that Gwen potentially becomes the Amarlin seat? There you go. I'm hijacking I'm, it. I'm not, I was about to say I'm going to redact that one, but I'll, I'll leave that one there. I kind of like that because Over I feel like as, maybe I just and Nynaeve too. Honestly, like I feel like Nynaeve, like we, she's just more than the Amelin seat to me. So I feel like a Gwen would be a nice person to fit on the Amelin seat. Like I just feel like Nynaeve has just so much more in store for her rather than just being the leader of the Aes Sedai. All right, we'll put it on the board. Well, we'll keep it on the board, actually, rather. And we'll yeah. keep All it right. in front of our minds. La last addition to the addendum of the theory is that <laughs> Amarillin Seat falls, Leandrin takes over. She's the Amarillin Seat for a little bit, has a red keeper, and then Elaine and Egwene take over again on the... So there's going to be... It's kind of like sw swaps of Hokages, like quick little okay, layover well, a few years. Yeah. 
Okay, so are you uh, comparing Leandro to Tsunade? <laughs> I think it's more. I feel no. like a or Harry Potter. Kakashi. No, I feel like a Harry Potter reference is better here for when like Voldemort's squad takes over, like Hogwarts. I feel like that would be a good so like a Gwen is Snape. No, no, no. It would be Leandrin would be Snape. Well, Snape becomes headmaster, right? Yeah, and that would be Leandrin, like okay, Paul okay, saying, yeah. Okay. And then, and then Elaine and uh, Egwene are the ones that like overthrow. Gotcha. Snape's rule. There, okay. I'm with you, and, uh, Paul. You said Egwene slash Elaine. We got to know Egwene. Which one's the there we go. That's the perfect. If we want to start referring to him, just call him Egwene. <laughs> I want to say Elaine's the Amerlin, and then oh, Egwene okay. is the keeper because she's just the queen, the ruler, and then Egwene's just like a badass bodyguard. All right, I'm gonna so fl- I'll flipped with Dave. Yeah, I'll flip those. Interesting. I love it. All right. Moving on. So we're back to Leandrin. She stumbles upon Nynaeve back in the Arches Chamber. Nynaeve's sitting there questioning if anything is real in her life. Was it worth it? What is next? And they just have a very open and interesting conversation. Uh, we just get a lot of good quotes here, in my opinion. This also tells us a little... And this kind of... This is a plot-moving conversation, essentially, is what the words I was trying to get out of my mouth there. I think there's a lot to talk about. We'll see. Honestly, floor is open. I mean, we've talked about a lot of it already. Nynaeve has PTSD from her experience in the arches. Leandrin actually gets humanized here a lot, and that was unexpected, to yeah. say the least. And then the important thing that I latched onto was Leandrin turns the conversation eventually to the Sean Chan uh, mission with them having parent and loyal. That's just... What did we not hit yet from that? Because most of the, the Nynaeve arch stuff we've talked about Mm. Yeah, Leandra knowing <laughs> that Perrin's there just I mean it lines up with everything that we've kind of been talking about like with Le- uh, just her being potentially the middleman of Ishmael between those forces in the west and what's happening here at the tower but go ahead Paul Leandrin did say who did you lose inside without you know asking anything prior so it seems to be that kind of is what the third gate is about um, I liked how in hindsight, you know, the way the gate back or whatever the way back shows itself, but once I butchered that, but you understand what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. I like that because now Nynaeve would probably go crazy like, oh, like a gate's going to pop up any second. And like, this is good. This is all a dream. This is like, this is all a dream, like inception wise. And like, I need to like kill myself to get out of it or whatever. If the gate shows up and you went through it and you remember it, it's like, all right, you're good. You're not, you can't just be one big double fake out. So, um, I like that rule in hindsight. Um, and then the last thing, Leandrin was the only one to make Nynaeve like smile. She like smirked a little bit after all of the this intestine. I'm like, don't you become friends with her? Like, don't don't become connected. She's <laughs> I love she's the bad. relationship, man. I love these two. Yeah. The, I mean, it's great. I mean, this is also one of the only people that could probably relate to her. It seems like everyone else doesn't really want to talk about it. Leandrin seems strong enough to be able to talk about what she kind of went through in the arches, at least a little bit to relate. So it was good. You're right, Luke, though. I had a lot of notes written down, but we kind of covered most of this. The one quote I like, I thought is just really well, well written is that the three O's bind us to speak the truth to others, not ourselves. Thought that was just very interesting. That's a very human moment from Leandrin. Also something I never really, maybe they said it in the books. I didn't catch it. Not really a perspective I thought about in the books. And I just thought it was very interesting. Uh, to go off what she just said there, Leandrin, at the end, she also says, you know, find a piece of this world that belongs to you and hold on to it. When Nynaeve says, oh, and she says, when it's gone, find another. Nynaeve says, have you found another? Talking about her son. And right then, that's when Leandrin changes the subject. I'm going to tell you something now. And Dave, you're totally right. She hasn't moved on because she's making a deal with Ishi to make her son okay or something like that. I'm totally, it's 
It makes Almost sense in my other. head. And we're going to be wrong and oh. we're look stupid. <laughs> so dead wrong. We're going to be so wrong. <laughs> All right. So we get to another, uh, what was it? A glane. We get another glane scene. scene, right? Yeah. yeah. So these these two kind of work very well together. They lead into each other. Just another, I just love this idea that they share almost like a nightly ritual of them drinking Elaine's liquor together. But uh, they kind of have Great. this talk about the future and fate. And then fate itself pretty much stumbles right through that door in the version of, or in, yeah, Nynaeve. First, one comment I'll make before we get into all of it, just to gas up Elaine. I think Elaine handles Nynaeve's bluntness <laughs> very well. Like, this is my room, stare. And this is my dirty cup that I need to go clean. I just, <laughs> I love me some Elaine. I've done a great job in like the little bit of quotes she gets to characterize her. So just wanted to get that out. I've been writing her notes in my notes as DH Elaine, as in like daughter heir. Yeah. But like, it looks like designated hitter because I've just been watching so much baseball. So like, I just read designated hitter Elaine a lot. I was so thinking I, dickhead. <laughs> dickhead, <laughs> el- dickhead Elaine. <laughs> now, how dare you? No, so, no, she's great. She's great. No, yeah. she is wonderful. I love them drinking her liquor, exactly what you're just saying. And yeah, like, give us a moment. This is my room. Like, that yeah. just stares at her. I was like, fucking Nynaeve. This is yeah, a power so- trio. The, these are three of like the most influential women in like the history right here, or at least soon to be most influential, I'm assuming. And it's just, it's great. Potentially fateful, legendary pair of neighbors, Aglaine. Uh, and then just this is, I mean, just to move us along into the actual, I'm sure, action scene we want to talk about, we finally get this kind of open, honest conversation between Nynaeve and Egwene, where Egwene can get it off her chest that, like, the reason that she's trying so hard and following all the rules is because she doesn't want to ever feel weak again, like she felt at the end of season one when Ram went off to the Eye of the World by himself. She wants to protect everyone. She's a little offended that Nynaeve's like, I'm just letting you know that our friends are in trouble. You stay here. I'll go. So obviously, Egwene wants to come along and help. And then we get them going through the passageway. Elaine ain't going to let that slide. She's going to come too because she cares about her friend, Egwene. Landron makes it a foursome and then it kind of pops off. I just, I, I have, I don't know what to think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to think here. Just Landron has just been such a great character. Just the mystery that she's been having, like, at at first, when we first get introduced to her, it just seemed like on paper, she was just this, like, straightforward, like, just very generic character that you could pretty much nail down pretty easily but now we're getting so much not backstory because it's not backstory but just like twists and turns with her character that i'm just not seeing and i mean she she's clearly there to prevent those three from helping out anybody like any of their friends and i just i don't know i just i I have i don't really have many thoughts on this other than like landron is just so strong i love seeing her kind of put people in her place in their places it's always she's just so cool my first thought is that she is gonna just like basically kidnap them and bring them to karian um where kind of like the meetup is going and where all like the powers are and where matt's going to go with min and everything like that maybe you know if min betrays but uh yeah i get all of them you think in the same place like if she trying to lead these three and matt to the same place that we don't really know what that place would be but like is that what you're kind of thinking yeah well if she's making a deal with ishi or forsaken then you know if they're trying to get to the dragon reborn then and they can't find them might as well go to the people that like he knows and cares about you know like kind of bait them out a little bit so I don't know. I'm making this up on the spot as we talk about it more. We can tell. 
<laughs> oh, no, <nah>, dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. Me, I'm sorry. You tell me it's not. It was just a knee-jerk reaction to make fun of you, but I don't want rock you to stop solid saying solid theories. No, <laughs> I know. I'm so easy to make fun of. But oh, come on, don't act like that. I don't know. I I had a feeling that she baited them to go there to run out together to bring him somewhere for a reason, right? You know, if she just wanted to kidnap him and put him in the tower, then she could have just done that. You're right. I mean, she did specifically tell, like, she was the one that gave Nynaeve the information to the idea to leave the castle, you know, and and Elaine is the complication. So yeah. obviously, she wasn't a target um, because she doesn't. Rand doesn't know who she is. And she's unless, not important unless she is a target because she's long fingernails daughter. Oh, baby. yeah. And then is that the complication? That, yeah, it could be. I mean, she, long fingernails. We know is working with issues. So maybe, yeah, that's the complication. Oh, uh, well, my theories are coming together. <laughs> one thing I don't necessarily want to like, spoon feed questions answers from you guys. So I'm just curious of what you guys think of Leandra's kind of just like laissez faire use of the power. It's pretty strong. She fucks him up right there, doesn't she? I she, feel like I, there's no like level of subtlety to just blowing up against that wall. Yeah. Like I feel like that. Uh, I was like, did you give him a cushion at least before they hit the wall? Because they might have <laughs> died with concussions. They, they, they the know about concussions. And the way she countered uh, Egwene's wall of fire, you know, two episodes ago, maybe that was last episode. It was last episode. Um, you know, that was flaw like effortless. You know, almost no motion involved. So she's she fucks pretty hard. Just gonna say, I feel like she's just like Ishii, where we haven't seen her even like move her hands or arms that much when she's casting these spells, and that to itself is because it's the show's done a really good job of highlighting those hand signals, those arm motions that they need to do in order to you know do these crazy spells, and for Leandrin to just casually do them without these the need of these is it's just really cool to see. Word. All right, so if there's no final comments, which doesn't sound like there are, we're gonna move very quickly into Lan and Alana's story. There's just, we're not going to talk about the actual them talking about the poem at the end, because we'll weave that into the end of Rand's storyline because it makes more sense there. But I don't know if there's a ton we really want to talk about just because it's, in my opinion, obviously less interesting than like a lot of the action that we got. Just a lot of, you know, philosophical, emotional kind of character building for Lan here. He has a conversation individually with Alana. He has a conversation individually with Maskim. He has a conversation individually with Yvonne. I wrote some quotes down that I thought were interesting, but I feel like we can just talk about whatever we want very quickly here and then we can move on. I'll, I'll rattle off a few things yeah. uh, real quick. One, I like that Lan was able to bond with everybody. You said he had a conversation with everybody. You know, we see him getting talking a lot with Blondie, um, but, yeah. you know, at least he has that good meditation. I mean, they're completely different orders awards. So um, you're good. You had it the first time. Awards it is. I don't know why I second guess myself. And Lan just like fits right in. So you're like, all right, is Lan going to try to be one of their warders? But then they talk about Nynaeve. But like he's still not completely bond broken with Moraine. That was a big subject of conversation along with you can survive with your bond being masked like almost all the time. Um, so we know that is possible. So I don't know. I'm going to throw another one crazy theory out there. We know that multiple warders can be to one eye to die. I'm going to say Lan is just going to be crazy, have Moraines, but then also be bonded with another Aes Sedai, like Nani, so it's going to be two Aes Sedai, one Write that, down. Write that down, write that down, write that Flip down. Flip-flopped on him. 
have a tic-tac-toe girl in it. Yeah, I didn't yeah. take a I didn't take a lot from these scenes, to be honest. And part of it was because the one conversation Land has with the one warder, the lack of subtitles hurt me bad. Um yeah, Yvonne. Yes, Yvonne's conversation. I was missing some things, but I got the I general idea of like what this what this is about. Uh, but my thing, I'm here to say, I love the cats when to die. Uh, yep. line drop again so what he says is that Nynaeve is the fastest to ever become accepted since Cad Cad Swain to die oh. who if you guys remember I meant was mentioned as like a legend she was a uh, two maybe yeah episode two. yeah it was it was when Elaine, Elaine got introduced yeah. what other legendary duos have there been yeah Cad Swain was just the one I remembered two name you... drops baby yeah that's the important one yeah, I was just winding it up because I was like ah <laughs> Lannis is totally going to be Nynaeve's warder but it did kind of make me hesitant because like Paul said, like they were kind of saying it's not something that's like easily doable to, to just cut that off. So, so your victory lap in your water pick already? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> no, already seeing it now. Yeah, I'm already seeing it now. <laughs> also so, love love the line where Lan has he finally reveals that uh Moraine said he never viewed them as equals or she never viewed them as equals and the other water's like of course. We're not equals, dude. Of course you guys aren't. She can summon lightning from the sky. Like, like we are here to remind them they're not gods, which that was a line that I loved. That cool. Like, we, we see them for the weaknesses, but yeah, like, we're not fucking equal, bro. Like, that's okay. Yeah, I really like the conversation with Yvonne, even though um, lack of subtitles. I mean, I watched it multiple times, so I was all good. He just had a lot of good quotes. Paul, I think, brought my favorite out, second favorite for me. I just like that he says the phrase, the triumph of the light over the dark. That's just like, fuck yeah, that's kind of the reason why we're all here in the first place, baby. And then the other thing I just I just liked, kind of the casual characterization we're getting with the three of them, Alana, Maskim, and Yvonne. I like that we got Alana's family. I thought it was funny that they're joking around with her of like, how does the sex work now with the third one? We thought you were getting old, you know, you only you stopped at two type of deal. So I just thought it was just kind of fun little character building moments here. Just a lot of good conversations. And then they brought up the idea again of the the suicidalness that could have, you know, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Appeared in land. That's not exactly what I was thinking, but it just he's doing well himself. It's more of just like an internal kind of thing. And I like that Yvonne says, like, he knows that Lan is just thinking about one thing that Moraine said. He can kind of see it on his face. I just really like Yvonne and Maskim. I think they're really good characters. Mm -hmm. All right. So moving into, again, the entree of those kind of appetizer scenes is going to be Rand slash Kyrian, which includes Moraine, obviously. So the kind of Moraine starts us off. We get Lady Anvir, who we met in episode three, the woman who took that kind of special taking to Rand. In, that, uh, in the dinner where they get the Galdanian red. She's kind of getting ready in the morning, chettles into her chair, and she's only to be surprised by an unexpected visitor who, surprisingly to me, to Luke, I'm sure to literally everyone that watched this episode, is her older sister, Moraine Damadred. Dude, hell yeah. That was, what a crazy twist. I did not see yeah. that comment. And you said it, Kyle. You're like, well, probably, I don't know if you watched episode four at the time when we talked about the dinner party with rand and you're like we might see this girl again you probably already knew but i never would have ever guessed that it would have turned out in this way no it was really cool and i was thinking back to my comment that i had episode three where i was saying you know could you imagine if rand actually went with her flirtations and hooked up with her wow. and then that could be like moraine yells at rand later on and he'd be like yo 
I banged your sister. And then like, you know, Moraine can't say anything. Kind of like can't uh, even imagine how that conversation would go. <laughs> yeah. Like Brian looking out the door and being like telling Quagmire, fuck your dad. And yeah. slamming the door. It's kind of like kind of like that. Um, <gasps> oh, so, yeah. What a great picture in my head now. Also, yeah. we got this is I mean, we could talk about. Yeah, yeah. Like their 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 conversation is nothing here. She just gives her the cold shoulder. Marine has no empathy towards her All family. Business, baby. Yeah, I mean she's out here trying to save the fucking world. So I kind of get I get it for both sides. But she so, does dawn. I'll let you go in a second. But I just want to say while she's like getting ready to go search for Rand in the city, she dawns the iconic. And if you're listening to our One Piece coverage, <laughs> this is iconic. Is her <laughs> her blue dress and then her um blue gem that she wears on her head. That is yeah. what she rolls up. To yep, she, on the cover of book one, that is what she rolls <laughs> up to Emmons Field in like chapter whatever two or three of the book. That's what she's supposed to be wearing, and I love that the the showrunners decided to give it to us here because she's in her hometown where she grew up with her sister in her house, and she gets to put on the OG clothes. So even though it's they don't make a big deal of it, I got chills mm-hmm. from it. I loved seeing Marine put on the yeah. gym. Yeah. Going through all of her old stuff in her old room. She's got some doobies rolled up. Marine. Yeah, I love that. thought that was little, so funny. You little rule breaker. And uh, what I was just going to say earlier was just for clarification. So is this the first time Moraine has come back since she left to go train at the White Tower? Oh, my they God. They make that I, implication, yeah. I didn't know if she, when she was saying it's been decades, if means if she meant like, you know, it's been, you came back a little bit, but it's still been like 20, 30 years. But if it's been, you know, 60 years, 50 years, that's insane. But that's what it seemed like at that end conversation. You know, the, when we find the seer at the end, she snaps, which was so good. I mean, when she says all your eyes and ears are now mine and like she knows everything that Moraine's trying to do and she even knows the answer to her problems. I was like, that's, that's whipping your balls out and putting them on the table right there. That was badass. <laughs> This is like the slightest of changes from the books. In the books, Moraine is the youngest, but obviously it works better here that the ages, it doesn't matter at all, in my opinion. It's more just, again, they're reinforcing that agelessness quality without having to do any like de-aging CGI type of stuff. Thought it worked perfectly well. Genius. You would never even notice it. I mean, Anvir's mentioned in like one chapter in like the prequel book. So I, if anyone is upset about this, I would tell him to go kick fucking rocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The only comment yeah. I have here is Moraine is just more of a bitch than I just remember her being. She's <laughs> about just, her business, bro. She's about her yeah, business. Yeah, she's just pure business. And it, it, I mean, it annoys me to no end because it's like, come on, like you did this to land. Now you're going to do it to your own fucking family, like your sister. Like, come on, have some heart in you. Don't um, burden her with your fears. <laughs> yeah. But like, I get it. Like she shit is happening. Like Ishmael clearly is moving. Like she needs to also be moving. So I get it. Everything with Moraine needs to be viewed through the lens of I know I she, get it. But nothing on. matters besides the dragon and the dark one. She I is one it. of the only people yeah. alive that knows they're both mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Like you have to view it like that. And it's so easy to hate on Moraine. But when you when you think about it, like she is sacrificing her life to, oh, yeah. to this mission. And it's just it's cool. I mean, it's I, 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 I Uchiha, baby. It's Hachi Uchiha. She just grabs the wine and dips. Trust me, yeah, she's I been fighting that. for LVP for the last three episodes. Oh, yeah. One yeah. of us. So I get it. And fight I just, four now. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. It's just sad oh, for me no. because no. Moraine as an entity is one of my favorite pieces of wheel things about I know, time. And I know, like, from your conversations that Moraine is, like, one of your favorites. And I'm, like, I obviously the potential is all there. Like, I still think she is a great character. It's just, like, these moments kind of just suck for her character individually just because 
they are moments that yeah. we just have to kind of force her to be a bitch and just get both the sides going. are valid. Yeah. Both, just yeah. decrease her likability a little bit. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what's going to increase her likability is this next fucking scene where the mission itself, I like how she just grabs the Geldanian red. Rand had to be told to grab mm-hmm. the Geldanian red. Yeah. Marine's just on it. And she heads to the sanitarium to meet Loghain. And a very interesting deal is struck here in this conversation. I just, I, the show, the show is great. <laughs> like she comes in like, so how's Rand? And I'm like, no fucking way. You <laughs> weaselly little. So now I'm thinking like, all right, is she going to meet up with Elias in the next fucking episode? Like, come on. Like, is she how's just, parent? Yeah. How's parent doing? It's like, oh my God, this blew my mind. And I love I still love Logan. Like, I love that he's like still willing to put Moraine back in her place here, even though like he is just at rock, rock bottom. He's still fighting back against Moraine, like bringing up uh, how strong he was. Just really great interactions here. Just so much information to uncover um, because she is just at the end of the day trying to get him to um, teach Rand the ways of using the one power. And which I love the offer that she makes with the knife like that really to me highlights just how much it sucks living without the one power having if you've already touched it before like because to me when we first saw Logan, like obviously he looked like shit he said he felt like shit like all this stuff it was never really like that obvious that he wanted to kill himself like he just was kind of it felt like to me he was just waiting for an opportunity for him to just escape not even just kill himself well he he did when he when he went before the hall and like fake made that outrage oh yeah and he, Remember and he, he tried to have swan execute him yeah and he does have that but like i'm thinking here too there's like it's been months maybe yeah. he's recovered a little bit but clearly that that need for death is still like so in his brain after months going by like it's not just some it's not just like an addiction it's not something that you can just mm-hmm. wean off of like it's always going to be there which i think was just an excellent touch here and she presents the dagger i'm like was that matt's dagger no it definitely wasn't but yeah, yeah it was not. there was a quick just, thought there was a quick thought my first thought here when she does this is just reminded me of just spamming kys in the rocket league chat <laughs> <laughs> it's just like she presents the knife it's like a, yeah. 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 i like how um he says to her He's like, you send him here, which yeah. I feel like in my understanding, you know, she didn't unless there was like a, you know, a scene that happened when Rand leaves the eye of the world bef- that we didn't see where she's like, go to Kyrian. But I like how she doesn't dissuade him of that notion. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's more beneficial for her, for him to think that she's pulling all these strings when kind of we know she's just fumbling around almost in the dark. She feels like she's behind the eight ball a ton. So I just like that little kind of. They they told I thought they told us a lot without saying a ton there in that scene. The fact that she at the end was like, "Yeah, I want you to teach him everything you know about channeling." I was like, "Okay, huge curveball." I thought you were here just to get info to track him down. All of a sudden, you want to like be in cahoots with Logan. Never saw that coming. Love the line where she drops. You know, you're lucky you're here. Pretty much like my brown and yellow sisters wanted to study you, and you would have enjoyed that a lot less. So again, to go on to the, you know, information science side, Aes Sedai and how ruthless they are. Um, we were talking about that a little bit earlier. Just really yep. cool. I have two big issues with this episode and one of them is here. The other one is going to be at the very end of this episode I'll bring up. Uh, but a funny comment and then my issue for this scene. The first thing is. Like, Loghain is salty as fuck, rightfully so. He's cut off from the power. It's like losing heroin, and, like, what are you supposed to do? Like, you're fucking, that's your whole life is about that. And he he's depressed and all that stuff. And he easily 
easily could have killed her and taken that knife in this scene because he didn't know she didn't have the power. He could, and he's a guy that is much bigger than her. Could he not have just like she yeah, like he sh- thinks he thinks she can channel. That's what I'm saying. And but she, he he could have beat the shit out of her and, oh, yeah. and taken the knife oh. here. She like did a magic trick to pull out the knife. She like sleight of hand to made it look like she conjured it. Yeah, and that's probably going into it. But yeah, she probably she's trying to present that she still has the power. But I'm saying like he he could have just walked up to her and she could have done nothing to stop him. One other thing, uh, Moraine. She says, "I know what you really want," and then she pulls out the dagger. She didn't say like what it was, and you know these these tricky eyes to die. Uh, if they don't say something explicitly, you always assume it's like a like a trick. So I'm waiting for Moraine to say, you know, I'll leave the dagger here, but I like won't let you kill yourself somehow because she never explicitly said it. So I don't know. I'm just and- every time they speak, you just. Yeah, you gotta rethink it over and analyze it because it could be tricky. It's like making a deal with the devil. Um, and real quick, quick question: we we already talked about this scene. Uh, Elena telling Lan about uh, Nynaeve going through the arches. Mm-hmm. How did she f- know that information? Did she just get like a pigeon like flown to her in a letter, or like do can they communicate telepathically? So the last conversation she had in the tower, the tower in the tower is with Shiriam, the mistress of novices. Yeah. And they're basically arguing about she shouldn't like they she shouldn't let Nynaeve go through the towers. They weren't okay. there for the vote. I'm assuming they're just assuming that it happened because like they assuming didn't think they would win the vote against it. Nynaeve just survived or whatever. Yeah, well, I mean she just said she's going through. She's being tested. She doesn't know the outcome of it. Oh, I thought she said she compl- okay. My notes yeah, are no. wrong. So yeah, okay, that makes way more sense it. then. No, you're yeah. right, Kyle. You're right. Okay, yeah. So cool. let me take me back, take us back to the game for one second, so I can yeah. bring up my nitpick. This one's smaller than my later one, but I'm not sure how much I love the idea of building every incentive for Logan around allowing him to kill himself because he's not being watched. Could he not just kill himself? I was thinking that he just bashed his head against the wall. In that yard, just jump on your neck or so. I'm not that that's how you would or do what Dave would do. (laughs) Pull a Dave Tolly. Dave run head for head head first into a wall at at full at full speed. (laughs) I don't love that, but that's like my only nitpick of this whole thing. It's just like is you're gonna really build every incentive structure for him around uh, allowing him to kill himself feels a little weak. I agree with you on that. Absolutely, because that was kind of my first thoughts too. Where it's like, okay, she's presenting the knife, but like he's in a courtyard of like a potential of like a plethora of ways to kill himself. Corners, yeah, it's just fucking head yeah. out of corner. But then I'm also going to bring up what Paul was just saying. Like, she never really like she holds the knife, saying, you know, I'm going to leave this here. You can do what you want with it. Like she never really doesn't like. It's implied, I guess, that she that you think that Land's going to kill himself or Land that Logan is going to kill himself with the knife, but. What if that knife is to be presented to him as an opportunity for him to escape? Like Paul's saying, like, what That's if he true. uses that knife to escape? Um, or it's a rubber like, knife and he can't d- kill himself with it. But I do like the idea <laughs> that twist. Paul has said that, like, it's not, it, it could potentially be there for him not to kill himself. I mean, well, it's nothing really well, to dive more into, but that was just out. something that I was definitely aware of when I was seeing yep. this. The final comment I will make is that we learned that the name of the inn, or at least I learned, I don't remember if they said it before, is the Crescent, which is just a really fun callback to, we learn, obviously, later on. <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus. <clears throat> excuse me again, Jesus. Um, light, take me. Um, the <laughs> name of Lanvir is the daughter of the night. 
she's also associated often with the moon so i just thought that was a nice little subtle obviously they made this up crescent. but it was just a nice name like what should we call the inn where she owns something to do with the moon the crescent i was like oh crescent moon i get it and so, we're talking but, about that's what Logan tells her and then she goes searching in the town yeah he also tells her that ran has much power as him but he fears it yeah this is a fun little easter egg for those book readers out there when moraine's asking the guard and says like hey like, have you seen a redhead around here? I know this city specifically would take note of the redheads. And that's just yeah. a, that's just alluding to the Aiel war that happened recently. I don't think that's, I think, I think Tom might have even brought it up in season one to Tom Maryland when they're talking we, about I mean, the Aiel. We get it from Errol. I have always, this is just an important city for that war in the past. I have kind of always wondered, like, how does he not stand out more? Like, is, well, he's bald now. Well, like, yeah. Well, also, I mean, like, I if you like... when he was walking to work the first time we see him, I guess episode two, like people are taking a fairly wide berth of him as he's walking down the street. Because I feel obviously like... he looks like a little dirty because he's from the foregate, but that's how I kind of took it as well. I just feel like it would be just such an obvious thing, like his red hair. Like it's just yeah, but it, of... oh, it's it is it's it, a thing in the books all the time too. Like I get, he, I what mean, I guess what, like what they're trying to make him look bald, but like to me, I guess I just can't unsee the red hair and just. But as obvious. a non-book reader, what type of reaction would you expect people to give someone with red hair? It's not dragon related. Well, I know from like Tom Marilyn's intro, like they literally just killed an Aiel just because they were scared of him, basically, or whatever it was. They like hung that one up and they just like killed him, and so I just. I automatically have assumption that people are just racist towards okay, Aiel. Valid. That's just what I wanted to hear you say, but. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Some like I not that specific. Yeah, I know, wanted to hear funny. reasoning of why you were saying that. I was yeah, curious, yeah, no, like because I, I didn't know what you knew. But yeah, yeah that's that's, that's true, and especially in this city, which we may get more on yeah, later. So just, I don't want to talk too much about it. But yeah, I guess they're like they're doing like for me. I guess it's just obvious again because we've seen it season one, the red hair, and even though his hair is supposed to be shaved down, like I feel still feel like I can see nodes of the orange, and I just feel like it would cause more issues. But they can yeah. they get the pass because he shaved his head. Sure. Okay. So Paul mentioned this scene a little bit earlier, just to quickly cover some more things that are in it. This is Moraine returning home pretty much not empty handed. She obviously had this stuff with Loghain, but she doesn't get the info she wanted out of Rand or from the guard rather about Rand. I like how Anvir pretty much tricks her into having this conversation. She knows Moraine's a little sneak and she kind of wins this little battle for her attention. We get some information here, some lore drops I can go over them if no one else has a take, but I guess we'll do takes and then I can cover, sweep up any lore things, then we'll move on. I'm fine with you covering the lore. I'm honestly okay. kind of a little fuzzy on this. Yeah. So we learn at this point that House Damadred, which is the house that they're from, that's their family house, had fallen on into ruin because their uncle. So they don't name him here, but their uncle was actually the king of Kyrian. His name's King Layman. He was kind of the catalyst of the IO war that happened 20 years ago. They'll talk more about that, I'm sure, but that's kind of just a little bit where they're coming from. Moraine's family was royalty at some point. We do get, I believe, in episode one with the interaction with Swan, how she kind of implies. And I think it's actually when they're in the hall and she's getting sentenced or whatever, and Moraine like, won't tell her why she's been out of the tower. And she's like, is it your noble blood or is it whatever? So that was kind of a callback to that as well. And then we learn that Anvir can't channel, obviously. But the other one, it's going to be important, I'm sure, that will come back, is that Anvir's son is now going to marry the queen. That is a change for sure from the books. Like I mentioned, I think last episode, in the books, there's currently a king in Kyrian. Now there's a queen. We'll see what happens there. Um, and that's kind of it. I'm good. Cool. Yeah. Anvir obviously gets the upper hand here. We learn later that Moraine kind of falls into her demands and gets the information that she wants 
out of her younger sister. All this right. um this makes the scene from season one when they're in the room and Moraine's answering to the Amarlin seat and somebody slips. I think it's Leanne. Leandrin was slipping in the line. Oh, or you give her exception because of her royal blood or something like that. And the whole hall went, oh, rebel, 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 rebel. Yeah, yeah, that was a rebel, rebel moment. Yeah, so it, it kind of gives more weight and background to that line. Yeah, and there's a little bit in here of, so she's kind of running away from their dad. Seems like their dad was kind of thinking that Moraine would come back and save the house. Does that mean be queen? Who can say? In the prequel book, that's a big part. Moraine is like worried that the Aes Sedai are going to use her to like just install an Aes Sedai onto the throne of Kyrian. Obviously doesn't happen because Moraine's her own woman and does her own things. It is an independent mofo. Okay, so we're going to move now. This will just be all straight Rand. Rand, first Rand, scene, Rand. Yeah, first scene opens up, the aftermath of the fire. Classic Rand, good guy, is shoveling up the wreckage of Celine's in, in the Crescent. And Celine kind of invites him on a little vacation to a family cavern. Cabin, not a cavern. He declines. Obviously, he has he's depressed Rand. He has his feelings. He doesn't want to be there. Obviously, he takes her up on it. And they kind of walk up and have a little hike, a little pit stop. They just have a conversation here. I want to talk about this conversation before we move on to like the OG, or not the OG, but like the climax of this storyline. Just curious of this first conversation, if anyone has any thoughts about anything. No, I I was struggling a little bit with some of it. Like we said, lack of subtitles. Yeah. Um, but I, I do want to bring up the fact that she yet again brought up her ex. And she was like, she he was the only one I ever loved. And I kept thinking in my head, like, all right, who is it? And this was before I knew who the, who she really was. Yeah. So I was like, all right, it's some maybe it's somebody we know. Is it somebody from a while ago? I literally have. Is it Lan? <laughs> <laughs> because we know Lan fucks. And maybe Lan was like, oh, like just completely hypnotized Celine. So but I I know I can't prove it, but in my notes right here. She says, like, if you want something, you have to take it. And I'll go, is she a dark friend with question marks? Like, is she grooming him to, like, try to go somewhere? Because she was pulling him away into this, like, rural area. Um, so Technically not a dark friend above that. Yeah. No, I was wrong. I wasn't thinking yeah. high enough. Yeah, she transcends that for sure. I mean, I was watching this with Alki. And, like, when she's talking about, oh, I had to, her boy ex-boyfriend, whatever. And she's like, oh, he used to be so powerful, too. Alki was already, of course, like, you know, saying Celine is a dark friend. So I'm like, okay, maybe the ex was Ishi. And then, yeah, mm -hmm. I was like, that's what I'm thinking. But again, I wasn't fully confident in that because I didn't know that Celine was a dark friend, let alone a Forsaken who's been around for X number of years. So in my head, I was like, ah, that probably wouldn't have worked out if Ishi was, you know, locked away and she's only however old she's supposed to be in the show, you know, like 30, whatever. Um, so. But I did in my head kind of was like, ah, there's she's once she said powerful, I was like, it it had to be Ishmael or the Dark One. That was you know what? Who was I was actually thinking that it was the that was the original dragon that what was the original dragon that would be loose or yeah. whatever. I don't know why. Maybe that's why she turned evil because loose just I don't know. Isn't but that a that's nickname loose, dude. I was thinking that earlier <laughs> when you were saying like LTT. I was like, yeah. loose is great. That's how I take put, notes anytime he gets brought up LTT. So. What I'm hearing from this conversation, because we're going to require you guys to put one on the board here, because we will find out who it is. So, oh. Dave, does it sound like you're a Shamayil? 
fuck. Oh, I was not expecting this. Um, I'll uh, <laughs> oh come on, yeah, just I'll just take out there. Yeah, I'll just stick people. to my, I'll just stick to what I originally thought in, in it being Ishi. Uh, like my other guess would be the dark one, but I'll just stick with Ishi because that was my first one. I'll go with loose. I like right. that one. I really like Paul's too. That would be oh, interesting. Didn't know this was a scene that was released before the season came out. So like me, Kyle, and Jimmy before our even book conversation podcast, we all were able to watch this. So I was already expecting this, but Paul brought up the best quote. If you want something, you have to take it. She looks amazing. Yeah. That's the end of my takes for this. Yeah. Second quote, just depressed ran, just feeding us this idea. The wheel never gives anyone what they want, least of all me. So... <laughs> That's where Rand's at right now. Getting his Egwene on. This is yeah, there, this is obviously just so different from the books of what's going on and everything. So there's really no need to compare. There was just a scene from the books that 100% has to happen. I thought it was going to happen right here. It's going to be interesting to see how they fit it in now. Um, it's obviously going to be changed up, but like we were like looking like through the countryside of like, are they going to give us the Easter egg? Are they going to give us the Easter egg? Uh, they didn't. So we'll see. And hopefully I'll remember oh, to bring just this. just clicked what you're talking about. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. How the yeah. hell is that going to happen? No idea, but hopefully I remember this conversation when it does would happen. You, would you say you're more open to the idea of like being confident and then being able to cover their grounds with this? Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I think it can happen. It doesn't have to happen the exact way it did, but if it does, I mean, it has to happen. It just, it, now it, it can't happen. happen. But you have confidence yeah. in them being able to pull it off, though, based off I'll what you've seen through... Fit. Okay. okay, I'll fucking riot. It's yeah, it. It just has leave to it. Just leave yeah, it. Yeah, it just, right, it's, right. it's it's whatever. All right. So after Celine makes Rand a little less depressed with a little smoochy smoochy, we're now sleeping under the stars. You know what happens before that? And now Rand randomly, quote unquote, randomly awakes in the middle of the night, looks around, is confronted by a fade. He eventually dispatches said fade with the one power, and that causes a bit of a scene with Celine and him. I think I want to talk about this conversation before. I'm sure we just are going to go balls to the wall about when they're actually in the cabin. There's just a lot of quotes here. Just curious. And now I guess we can go over some quotes maybe if that's going to impact your guys' Celine X takes at all. But well, the floor is open. Rand had the line, you know, you're the first person to see me as a man, and I don't want you to see me as a monster. That was great because she's like, oh, you shouldn't hide it. Like, uh, you know, you just need to give someone a chance to love all of you, you know, yeah. who you are for you. And, you know, she did freak out a little bit um, as soon as she realized that the fire at her end was caused by Rand. But then she recovers really quickly. So I was like, sketchy, sketchy. I was also thinking there's only one fade and we've seen fades travel by themselves before. But then I was just also thinking of the Moraine and land fight when there was, you know, three or four of them. So I was like, I'm expecting others. And there wasn't. So I was like, all right, Celine and her name is land fear. Right. Got yeah, it. Land fear. Um, because I was like, she fears land. That totally works. There you go. And she just called this fade over to just to be bait real quick. It was like further, further That's diversion weird. to try That's to get him it. tied up, which I was thinking, dude, that's cloth. He's the dragon reborn. Like, what the fuck? That's not going to restrain him if you are actually trying to restrain him. If she was like going going out loud, but that was I was nuts. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, one thing point. is I didn't wasn't in love with like the animation. I guess you could say CGI of the fade like burning in flames. But I feel like the conversation we got immediately after made me pretty much forget about it. But it was something that I just wrote down. I feel like I have to have at least one criticism. So there it is. And this is a really, I mean. The positive about the fade situation here and Rand just absolutely fucking him up was if you contrast that to the end of episode, I think it was episode two, right? Was the other fade attack 
against Marine and Land. That was what, episode one, actually. Oh, that was episode one. Okay. Yeah. So if you contrast it to that, it took multiple Aes Sedai's with their warders to really be able to take out all those fades when Rand kind of does what Ishi did and just kind of flicks this fade. Like you could see the power discrepancy there. I think they could, did a good job. Like that, the fact that Rand was able to channel so easily and just take him out shows you that. Like how powerful he is is what I'm trying to get at, and that was a good good moment. And yeah, I, Paul, I think this was all part of Landfear's plan to kind of just push them close together, get him to be vulnerable. And I thought Rand acting here was really good. Like when he was admitting he's loving her, you, yeah. the tears like were legit. body language like, was fantastic. I think both yes. of them. I thought Celine was incredible too. Oh, dude, she's already that's I mean, already that goes without that saying. goes without yeah. saying. She's great, Lizzie, Lizzie, Shelby, Lizzie yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just I, some interesting things, and I'm sorry to talk over you again, Dave. Is just. Paul mentioned it too. The fact that he pretty much says that he loves her, I think is going to be a thing. I feel like we all know the trope of the crazy ex-girlfriend. We'll see what kind of a level that Landveer might be able to take that to. It seems like it might be quite high since she's such a powerful channeler. Just thought that that was um, just an important thing to call out for sure. She's I, like, you love me? Like she like yeah. latched right on to that quote, and I was like, oh, this guy's in fucking yeah. trouble. Like, baby. Nah, <laughs> got him. You, you got yeah. him. He should have just Not leaned great. into the crazy. Come on, it could be his Jeanette. Yeah. Uh, the hot crazy scale. Yeah. <laughs> Vicky Mendoza diagonal. <laughs> if anybody gets <laughs> that right. reference, send us a message. You're getting a shirt. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dave. Get those takes out. The only thing I had here was because I thought I had saw it last episode with him starting the fire but there were streaks of black in his i don't know if you guys caught it but i definitely was looking for it this time there were streaks of black in his uh weave of the the one power so i just i i, I like that they're slowly incorporating that and i feel like it was even more obvious here so it, it's kind of going into the the fact that like the more mad he is the more black his weaves are going to be and so I, I feel like they're doing a really good job of emphasizing mm -hmm. that a little bit side note don't know how much uh, we can read into this but We've see, already seen him whenever he channels this season. It's fire, and we kind of know there's you know the different weaves to pull on, and fire is one of them. Correct? I'm not just making that up. Yep. So I I know we talked about this that the the men and the women's are different, but I don't know if you could like lean into the fact that you know Rand is extra like compatible with the fire aspect of the. I'll say this now because. It's it, this could also be what they're going for is how the you're right, like the two powers are completely separate. Anytime someone that's a male in the books takes the power in versus a girl, it's completely different how it's described. Like women just get like this, like high on life feeling, like everything's good, they're connected with the life energy it's floating in the river. Men are. It's like cocaine, right? Like you're fight, you have fire in your veins. You're fighting to hold back this, like just th this, just immense pressure of energy that's flowing through you, and it's often described as like fire in your veins and like your blood. So, like that could be what they're going for. Is like the complete feel is different because Sidine versus Sidar, the male versus the female powers, are separate sources. So it's one of the two, and. I if it is them going for like how the book describes it, it is book accurate, so it's fine. But if it also is because like he just doesn't know how to pick the different types of strands and is just shooting out power, I think either answer is fine. And we're not going to really know until hindsight kicks in when we finish yeah. the season, maybe even season three, season four, when we get more male channelers or whatever happens. Like, I don't know. I, I really don't know what they're going for because it's it's shitty that it's something that we're paying attention to now because they brought attention to it with 
Egwene and Nynaeve's training scenes of the different colors. So it sucks because we're going to bring this up every time someone channels like we are, as we should. I just don't think we're going to have an answer for a while, but that's just my take on it. In my opinion, it feels quite obvious that it's just that he doesn't, he has no idea that there are like separate weaves. He, like Wayne and, and Nynaeve didn't know this until they got to the tower. I think they're doing a good job of paralleling and contrasting their journeys with the power. Like Gwen's getting a very formal education in what the power does, how it's made, all that kind of stuff. And Rand's just doing it on his own type of deal. Uh, men have the weaves, the, the earth, the air, the fire. They, it's just that the fact that their source of the power comes from a different pool, essentially, is the main difference. That pool is corrupted. So I think we'll get to a point where like, it's going to be more obvious or specific that like Rand is handling, like he's combining an air and a fire weave or like water. Like he's going to be able to do that at some point. Just right now, he literally has no teacher. He doesn't. It's all just like complete lashing out, just like Nynaeve's is. Nynaeve's he's is just, a, she's not he's, using earth and fire and she's just bang, it's just coming out. So yeah. He's a head switch, is what you're trying to say? Pretty yeah. much, yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah, in the utmost form, yeah. All right. So climax of this episode, for sure, is we already read what the Dark Prophecy was at the top, so I'm not really going to repeat it unless someone really wants to hear it again. But I just love how they did the scenes of we have Yvonne Maskim and Alana reading the poem out loud. Yvonne knows the old tongue, so he's reading it. And... It just is, it's flipping back and forth between the scenes and she's tying him up and she's getting on top of him and she's whispering in his ear. And then it just, after he reads it, she just whispers in his ear, like, there's something you should know, Rand. I'm a monster too. And then it's just, and the music just changes and she starts the channel. You can see it like she's doing a little bit of hand stuff and there's a little bit of like wisp of air you can barely see kind of going around her and it just gets insane. Yeah, that was that was a question that I had too, and not that you can give me the answer because I'm sure they'll they'll explain it further. But when she channeled, like you said, it didn't look exactly look the same. So I don't know if that was just you know what she was channeling, or if she pulls on like a different power than the one power. I'll quickly say I was taking it as like that's what since Rand is so new to using the one power, like I, I was thinking like to from his perspective, like. He could kind of see that she was channeling, but like he couldn't fully make it out. But that was just like how he I wouldn't took be it. able to see it, even if he was fully aware of it. Oh, like guys can't guys see, like, can't see even it. if you can channel, like you can't, you can't see even the see weaves. It. Yeah, and yeah. I, I can't remember now. Do other Aes Sedai can other Aes Sedai see other Aes Sedai weaves? Yeah, yeah. Women okay. can see women, men can see men. Okay. That's okay. that goes back to the low gain thing too, where but potentially that, he can he can only see the males that can channel. Then him. I'll say maybe it's because he's the dragon reborn. But go ahead, Paul. Sorry, I cut you <laughs> off a little bit. That he can see both. Yeah, you can uh, see a little bit. maybe. I was waiting for Lanfear to just like bite his neck and make him bleed, and then just like. <laughs> put it all over her face and her body <laughs> yeah. because of you thought she'd get you know, recovered in blood <laughs> yeah because that was honestly really, really cool yeah. so scary and badass like just flashing back to the intro scene for a second that was it's just i was so happy with the scene and when moraine comes in and stabs her my fucking jaw was on the floor for like 30 seconds because G and like it's not a, we're already there right like you can see at the very last clip is her starting to heal, right? Is that what that was? I her, guess so. Like, this her, was like, she opened her eyes for me. Yeah, she like moved or something. Like, mm -hmm. so yeah, she it's does. so obvious, especially with Moraine sprinting out. Like, we got to go now. Yeah, that he didn't said, even expect yeah. to kill her right there. But it was awesome. But this is where my second nitpick comes in that I mentioned earlier. Is now we need to establish a way to kill Forsaken 
which I don't think was something that ever needed to be established in the books because I think if you your, your throat slit, your throat slit, right, Kyle? That was the problem that I had initially when I watched it and kind of on this. I tried to look up like instances of like bodily injuries like this with like swords and stuff, and it's just hard. I, I, it's it's a huge spoiler, I think. Otherwise, it's just like really hard. I, I just don't. I just don't know. Someone's going to have to comment on YouTube or email it's, us or do something on Twitter. It's not the best situation because there's like, just you can tell. It just feels like she stabbed her through the heart, slit her throat. And it's not like I'm thinking of Jujutsu Kaisen where like I, because I just finished it and like they have like a literally called, it's a technique that like you could heal yourself in revert and things like I just don't remember an instance where like a Forsaken gets stabbed through the heart and their throat slit and like they're just chilling and for what it's worth i would rather this weird healing mechanism that they might just have where we're gonna have to explore this in the future who yeah. knows they're gonna do something i prefer this than them prematurely killing Landfear, which is what i thought was oh, happening i would and i was riot. ready to absolutely be done with this show if that yeah. happened like you have no idea how how negative my yeah, would have been for the rest of this podcast. I, I, I think it's wild that you even thought there was a chance she was like perma dead. Like Moraine stabs her. I'm it's just be, even like, it's because if this yeah. happens to you in the books, you do die. That's like the why we're saying this is a weird change. That's, yeah, at least my understanding of it. It's obviously been a while since I've read like the later books. So I mean, maybe it happened, but like in my knowledge, like you would be dead. Yeah, the only, my only. I mean, obviously, again, I'm not a book reader. I have no yep. idea what the logic is. But just for what it's worth, I guess. In the, now that we're having this conversation i've like i didn't even think of these things as options like i just kind of took it as like okay she she was pierced twice and yeah she's just strong as fuck whatever but now that we're having this conversation i'm kind of thinking of demon slayer like what if it's like you have to fully decapitate them and then even in demon slayer like it's not even just as simple as decapitating them sometimes there are like workarounds to that yeah that to that flaw that you're able to be decapitated and still be alive at the same time so i'm with this all in mind, I'm kind of thinking. Uh, I just don't. Not know. that it'll be as simple as like just beheading her, but like it would. There's gonna be a. I feel like there's got to be a workaround in like. Yeah. Beheading gonna, has to work. There's gonna be a way to do yeah, it. Beheading it just, has to be, we didn't think there was going to be a need to establish something like this. I didn't even. And catch it's fine. Stabbed her in the heart. Either. Oh yeah, right it, through oh, yeah. the heart. I just and thought it was just like chest and then neck. Yeah. But let's extrapolate and take this out to the next step, which is now we know that. If Lanfear can do this, Ishii can do this. So Ishii is essentially invincible until we find out a method of being able to deal with Forsaken. So that's just something to think about. Like he, can, Ishmael can walk into any fucking battle and just take a sword the heart. You know, this this is the things that go through my mind when some a huge change like this happens. That's just I don't. Maybe I'll like it when we look back on it. But right now I'm a little like eh, I don't know I about like that. One of the classic weaknesses to immortality is either like decapitation or just like throwing their body into like fire or like lava or something like that. Or the locking them away, which is what or happened, right? Away. That's the whole. I, I guess that plays into the idea of the seals and like all that stuff too. All right. So do you guys like? Are you upset at all, or, or do you think that Moraine sneaking up and stabbing the strongest lieutenant? Like she's not the you think strongest. That's just, I thought they said she. This nah, episode, Shamayil is. Is she's the strongest? Okay, I she thought, says he's the most dangerous. Okay, I'm sorry. That's what they it are was. making a distinction there. Just Lanfear's fucking insane, basically. Lanfear's up there, but I don't think she's she's not number one. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I, I think it's more Lanfear's so in the moment. Yeah, with banging yeah. and shit. Well, I yeah. think she's like yeah, but just willing to, like is she? I feel like is more thought out 
Whereas she she might be thought out too. Don't get me yeah. wrong, but it feels quite emotional. Exactly, dangerous. Just it, it's very up in the air. You know, I don't know. I just felt like them sneaking up behind real quick and just get stabbed. And I'm like, imagine if that did kill her. I'm like hey, that. Like yeah, I mean, we wouldn't books. be covering episode five, so yeah, yeah this would be the end. <laughs> I, I guess I was just, more than welcome to watch. Nah, yeah, getting the jump out. on her was so easy. I guess is what I was just trying to say. But a, but a part maybe of it, it too, opportune Paul, is that. I think you I don't know if it's necessarily explicit, like when you're embracing the power that you have like better hearing and shit, like you can see other things. I think it's assumed that you're just a higher human when you're doing it. But also she was going out of her way not to channel until that very moment. So she had no power in her as Moraine was seeking around until she's fucking riding Rand. So you can kind of if you want to write it, retcon it in your head a little bit. I don't know. It didn't bother me. Because like that's not really like a key part of having the ability and being strong is like sensing people. Yeah, and maybe because she doesn't have access to the one power, she's like now invisible. You know, kind of like JK. Yeah, Cass. that's actually just, a solid yeah, point. True, yeah, true. I mean, Lanford would be able to sense the power in her for sure. If she rolled up like embracing like and ready to had, fight, yeah, yeah, yeah Marine yeah. or L- Lanfear would have known. So I think it's a little, yeah. yeah. So working her. Face. I think we're good um, on that piece. I hope. Yeah, <laughs> I fucking can't wait for episode five. That's mm-hmm. my take. I think overall, do we have any like overall general parting takes before I play us out? I fucking love this show. Uh, MVP LVP. Oh my god, you're so right. You're and so right. I'm just, also, I just know Thursday night football is about to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, this will be my last comment. I like to bring this up just to just to Dave and Paul, like. We're getting all these big characters and chess pieces put on the board. We're finding more out about the powers. Like I like to remind you guys, we are less than 13% through this story. Yeah. So we are still in the setup phase of the Wheel of Time show and and IP. So like just keep that in mind because all these crazy twists you're like thinking about and getting, this is the setup for mm-hmm. real crazy for twists more. that are going to yeah, happen. Exactly. Yeah, like, so just keep, you know, that's like something that gets me excited about this show is when we do get to the later seasons, like the equivalent of Game of Thrones season six, seven, eight. Esther. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's where the Esther conversation will happen. Uh, the whole re- revealing of the Forsaken, it, it gives like a whole like revealing of Warlords aspect, if like to relate it to One Piece. Mm. Just, it's so cool and something Fucking to look forward to. Anime reverence have been on point. And so, something you guys can constantly guess is that a forsaken? Is that a dark friend? Is that a red herring? Like it just makes the show so fun. Yeah, my I'll add another anime reference here. When we were talking about the whole like Egwene being the second to Nynaeve, like she's getting oversoured. That that reminded me of Hunter X Hunter when uh Zushi, Gon, and Killua are kind of doing all their training and their sensei looks at the young kid, Zushi, and he's like, you know, Zushi, like you're one in one thousand power. Like you are fucking strong. But those two right there, mm-hmm. they're one in a million. Yeah. And that's just like, yeah. oh, chills right now. And that's just <laughs> how I'm feeling about Nynaeve and Egwene. But yeah, yeah man, I this show has been fucking incredible. Like I've this season is easily already to me better than season one. Like I don't even care what happens in these next four episodes. I just feel like the action and content that we've been getting in these four episodes are already made me love this season more than season one. And I that's loved fair. season one too. So Keep it coming, man. Keep it coming. My yeah, I'll go first. Are that oh, well, sure. my parting shots, bro. The first one's going to be that has to be the first Zushi Egwene comparison that's ever been made in the history <laughs> yeah. of the world. So, Probably, I hope so. Should, yeah, we'll print up a plaque for you or something for that one. <laughs> and then the second one is that I'm feeling fantastic about the show at the moment. I'm just letting the changes wash over me. It's to a point where like they've made the changes 
in episode one, essentially. And now we're getting like they were farther down the storyline from the changes. So like I'm more accepting, I feel like, of like things like Ran and Lanfear's story changing because it's been episodes of it now and it's not been really bad content to me. It's different content. Doesn't mean it's bad content. The only thing I'm cautious about is that obviously in in my opinion, I thought episodes one through four of season one were the best four episodes or you know rather even just the first half of the season was way better than the second half of the season so that thought is still kind of doing the percolator a little bit in my head Mm -hmm. so we'll see what they have for us in episodes five six seven and eight but obviously we'll be here to cover it all and we'll be moving on now to paul going first yeah i went first last time and i'm going again first this time and you know what i'm keeping my same mvp it's a lies i mean pound for pound the amount of screen time and the amount of info and just like coolness nonchalantness that we get off of him is great so i'm definitely looking forward oh my, i don't know i guess i'd say i'm looking forward to him the most on screen Ooh, but i could say that guy? i, we I could say that I, apparently I'm, I'm liking that story a lot now um, and LVP, I'll do what I did last week and do Uno because he didn't get any screen time this week. Oh, you're a fucking dirty guy. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kicking mad him they while killed he's down. Him. Yeah, kicking him while he's fucking yeah. down. And it's a testament that the no LVP stuck out to you. No actual LVP. Yeah, that's it. Too true. Yeah. Too true. Everyone had a good character arc for you this episode. I'll go last because I feel like I've been going early on in the, the past three. So me? Sounds like sure. me. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I feel like I'm always prepared with like a. a fourth tier character for both because i'm yeah. always assuming i'll go last so um i will take mvp as lanfear because i love her and i don't need to explain it anymore just kidding she's amazing and she was her intro origin scene of breaking out of the seal is something that's going to stick with me for a while just like that quick horrifying moment just really just sets you up for how crazy like powerful and important she's going to be so i love lanfear and i'm happy i don't have to say celine anymore i won't yeah. mix that up or spoil that lvp just because I don't think it's ever been uttered this season, and I think this is might be my... Eh, that's not true. I'm just going to say Leandrin. She's mostly been an MVP this season, and it's Leandrin specifically for what she's doing to the plot. Nothing against her character, because, again, she's been amazing. It's just she sandbagged our girls in the White yeah, Tower, yeah. so she's taken the LVP because it's been hard to not give her MVP every every episode, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. LVP's hard. MVP's hard, too. I, I was prepared to go Yvonne, but I think now that I'm going, oh man, I'm going to pick Yvonne. I was going to pick a lane, but I'll pick Yvonne just because I just really like his character. I thought him and Lan's conversation was great. He doesn't get it. And shout out to him for knowing the old tongue and reading the poem so that they knew what it was. And he played a big role in the Lanfear reveal, low key, big role in the Lanfear reveal. So I'll give him his kudos and his flowers for that. And then LVP is going to be the warder who tried to hit on Nynaeve. <laughs> okay. Try yeah, to make I respect game a little bit, but not the time guy. Not the time <laughs> guy. All right, let's do mine. We're going to double down on the second forsaken MVP of this episode. We're going to give it to fucking Ishi, baby. I knew just, you wanted that. <laughs> I just fucking love this guy. How can we not give it to the mover of plot stealer of scenes? <laughs> Come on. This guy is the man. <laughs> I don't care that he's evil. He's the fucking man. He's MVP. And then LVP, this one is tough. I don't like saying the name that I'm about to say, but we'll give it to Rand just 
for being a little incompetent, just little trusting. Boy. Yeah, trusting Celine to not I be a dark you. friend. Yeah, come on, you're falling for it. You, know, <laughs> I I fell for you it. wouldn't have fallen for it. I mean, I definitely fell for it. <laughs> but I'm going to give it to him because yeah. uh, I just really have no one else to give it to. So yeah. that'll be my Pouty ran. Nothing ever works out for me. Yeah, that's right. shocked. There's no Moraine LVP. Shut so. up, Brand. Blood and ashes. Yeah, you're the most powerful person in the world. Boo hoo. Um, <laughs> so, how about? So, we did it in episode one. Just curious now. I don't have them written, but we did our top three characters in mm-hmm. episode one. So, just curious, halfway through the season, we'll just bang them out now. And then at the end, uh, in episode eight, I'll try to remember <laughs> what we said in episode one. So it's more of like a journey. I just don't remember what we all said. Number one, easily a Gwen. <laughs> just kidding. Just thought, yeah, I thought I'd throw a curveball at these people. Nah, it's easily issue number one. <laughs> and then number two, we'll give it to Lan. I think that's pretty consistent still with what I said at the end of episode one. I, I actually don't think I gave him an order, but now I'm willing to put them in order. Issue one, Lan two. Uh, number three. This might be a this might be another curveball for listeners, but <laughs> the return of Logan, baby. I just I forgot about him after season one. Wild his introductions, baby. his his scenes here have just been incredible. I fucking love Logan. We'll give it to three. We'll give it to him. All for right, three. just reverse order. So Kyle. Oh shit. Okay. I will take. I'm gonna agree. Obviously, this is show only, so I'm gonna say Shamuel is my favorite character at the moment. Number two is going to be. Oh, I'll take a lane, number two, because that's baby girl. And then number three is going to be... Oh, man, this is a tough one. Are you one. kidding me? Is This is blasphemous for you not to have an obvious number three. I'm just leave. like, I'm I'm trying not to let the books, but I'm just going to say Perrin because he's yeah. that dude. Uh, I thought you were going to say Rand, no, but I should have oh, yeah. He's going to get a parent tattoo one day. He's like, I'm shocked <laughs> that he wasn't it. Okay. All right. So uh, Rand, far and away, always number one, never won't be number one. Uh, Ishii is actually two, who I didn't have in my top three, and then Moraine three. I forget who I cut out. But Rand, Ishi, Moraine, I just love too much. Moraine is the perfect fantasy archetype for me. So, and I like her a lot. And what's to come is going to be great for her. So, you've been enjoying this season too, Moraine? No, not really. But like, I, I liked her a lot in season one, and that still carries over. So, even okay, without fine. the book knowledge, like, she's great. So, all right, pal. I'm going off of like whose storyline I want to see pop up on the screen the most, I guess. I like that. So that being said, I guess I'm going Perrin because him and Elias, like I would pick Elias, but like, I think Perrin's going to be more interesting. Like he's already more interesting. Yeah. Dude, falling leaf. You kidding me? That that dude's a beast. (laughs) Falling Uh, leaf. Wife killer, you mean? (laughs) Yeah. Killer of wives. Um, And then for two, and it's funny because you guys kind of made a joke about it, but I want to go Egwene because I really think she's like super powerful and I'm really excited to see what she can do from a technical last point or technical uh, point of view because like the technical aspect is what she's good at, not the raw power. So I really like Egwene and what she's doing, especially with a pairing with Elaine. And then three, I'm going land because I just love land. I mean, he hasn't done anything wrong in my eyes yet. Moraine's just shitting on him and he's just kind of riding it out, still toughing it out, doing way better than everybody thought. So you're going to land for three. 
Mm, you All know, right, I just, I just, sorry, I just remembered. Pot on Fame was in both of me and Dave. Yeah, two of us. I was going to think now. of it too. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. the lack of screen time yeah, hurt you. I think I, I think I even said that happen, in episode yeah. one. I, I won't even. I'm not going to say. Never mind. Yeah, ahead. you're good. No, but no, just, it's it's fun to watch it ebb and flow throughout. We'll be back, obviously, with the finale episode to kind of, I guess, our at that point rankings, as they always will be. Shamil is obviously seems like the number one character. Since he was two number ones and number two, didn't squeak into Paul's top three, but obviously we're loving what he's bringing to the table. I'm just going to shout out the fact that Perrin is tied for second of our favorite characters. So shout out to Paul for joining the bandwagon. And shout out to everyone that's listening right now. You've made it. I don't even know. Two hours? It's going to be close. We'll see what happens when we cut it down. Uh, One of our longer episodes... A little bit unexpected in my opinion, but I had a great time chatting. I feel like we did a lot of good theory crafting and kind of questioning and talking about what's to come. So that's honestly the most fun that I have. So I hope everyone's listening had a good time as well. If you want to keep up with us, best way to keep up is just going to be subscribe. Um, we're not really on a set schedule when we release these things. We try to just fit in recordings and editing and releases as our real day jobs and lives allow so the best way to keep up with all the episodes is definitely just subscribing we've been loving all of the youtube comments i'm sure no one's listening at this point but if you are drop more comments we love chatting with you guys and then following us on x at bingetown tv and then the discord the link will be in the bio and uh yeah we're covering one piece live action we made dropped a lot of anime things in here jujutsu kaisen we're also covering and if you're still listening, sheesh. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We're Binged on TV. <laughs> Love you guys. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> okay. Dun, dun. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.